And we're going to begin a new series of sermons called Authority. And in this particular message today, in chapters 8 and chapters 9, we're going to talk about authority over sickness. Wow, how timely is this truth? Really? And Matthew, in writing, seems to write more topically than chronologically. A lot of the gospel writers wrote day-by-day journals, almost, as of the life of Jesus, but uh, Matthew oftentimes would lump things together. He put them together not so much in a journaling fashion as, oh, this story reminds me of this story. And so he just, he writes kind of in that fashion. The next couple of chapters uh, would appear to be a bit jumbled if compared to some of the other writers. But Matthew, having a, an accountant's background, he, he, he categorized things differently. And Chapters 8 and 9 deal with the category of Christ's authority and also with our faith. Now, Christ has great authority, as we just mentioned. God is great, but how's your faith is the question then that would clamor for an answer. And we forget that the Christ who lived in this world is still at work in our world And the things that Jesus did while he was here, he is still capable of doing here today. I'm convinced of it. When he sent his holy comforter to live among us and to live within us, he didn't send him with half the authority or a quarter of the power. He sent him with all authority that Jesus had to work in our lives. Now, I know as I preach this, I do so with a measure of trepidation in my heart. I I run the risk of offending people. I run the risk of confusing people. I run the risk of creating questions in the minds of people that I don't necessarily have the answer to. (laughs) And I run the risk of sounding condemning. But I'm willing to take the risk because maybe somewhere in the truth that we share today, a spark of hope will be ignited and we'll begin to see God as a God who compassionately is concerned and active in our lives. Now, if I say anything that is not scriptural, That's on me. Okay, don't blame God. Don't get mad at God. If I say anything that is unscriptural, blame Keaton, okay? Say, our pastor has lost his mind. People say it about me all the time. I'm I'm quite comfortable with it, actually, you know? (laughs) But if I say something that is scriptural, that is biblical, then I don't have to back that up or defend it. God already does. So talk to him about it. All right? Everybody good with that? How many of you are nervous already? 
Well, I guess I'll be the only one to raise my hand. I'm scared to death. I've got to be very honest with you. Here we go. We're talking about authority over sickness, and there are several things that Jesus or Matthew writes that Jesus encountered in his life in this area of sickness. The first thing that he encountered was a leper's skin. Verse 1, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, now don't tell anybody, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest." And offer the gift of Moses, or that Moses commanded, as a testimony of your healing. Okay? That's the story. A leper's skin. Now, how many know anything at all about leprosy? How many have ever seen the movie Ben-Hur? Oh, my goodness. Where have you been? Her? <laughs> where, have you, where have you been? you got to watch the movie Ben-Hur. And it pictures a leper colony. And these people literally who had leprosy were banished from communication and community within the religious faith of the Jewish people. They were positioned in camps just to themselves. They were unclean. They were unfit to be in culture. But in this story, a leper is following Jesus. Now, I'm not sure what everybody else was doing because the Bible says great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him. So when the leper shows up, everybody else kind of gets out of the way and goes, whoa, 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 coronavirus. I mean, not coronavirus, what? leprosy. That's what it is. Leprosy, whoa, 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 get back. This guy's unclean. He does something the first thing that the man does is he seeks the will of God. God's will is sought. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, he's not just giving the Lord permission by saying, you can do this. He's saying, I know you have the authority to do this. Wow, what amazing comprehension on the part of the leper. He understands who Jesus is, and it seems to teach us about the will of God as well as the power of God. This leper makes this great observation that, about Christ and his ability and also about his desire. God's will is sought. Lord, if you're willing, one of the first things you'll learn in praying as you develop your relationship and our walk with God we understand everything is according to his will. Everything has to be covered by the umbrella of his will. Lord, if you are willing, it's an act of faith. He said, I know you can do this. How many of you know God is able? Amen? Because you looked a little confused when I asked that question before prayer. How many know he's able? Too many times we're afraid to announce that we have faith in God for fear that he will not do what we ask and we'll look stupid. When you put God on the line, it's not you that stands to look stupid. It's him. It's his authority. It's his power. And he will live up to his word. So many times you see prophets and preachers saying, 
Lord, so that your name will be glorified, do this. Elijah was a great one for this. He'd put God out there all the time. God, this is what I'm going to say about you. Now, if you don't do this, you're going to look silly. God's will is sought. Seek the will of God. Secondly, God's willingness is seen. God incarnate in his son above and beyond this man's expectation. He goes to identify this man's greatest need. Leprosy made this man religiously and ceremonially unclean because of this disease. Jesus does something so crazy. He violates social distancing, which was required for leprosy. And I'm not making fun, I'm telling you. This was in their mind. If you come, oh no, no, leper, unclean, unclean. They would literally cross the street to stay away from a leper. Jesus walks up. The Bible says he touches him. Immediately, Jesus identifies with his uncleanness. Immediately, Jesus takes his uncleanness upon him. Aren't you glad he took my sins and my sorrows and made them his very own? He identified with that man's uncleanness. Why? Because he was willing. He says, oh man. Jesus reached out and touched him. He crossed the line religiously. He crossed the line. He broke the religious ceremonial law. But he said, I'm willing. I'm so willing that I'll just go ahead and touch you now. Mm. I am willing. You know, here's the truth that is totally outside the realm of what I'm preaching, but let me just say this. If we never touch the world, we'll never change the world. Evangelism is contact without contamination. Jesus had contact identifying with the man's disease. But he was not contaminated. Why? He had authority over sickness. God's word, thirdly, is strong. I am willing. And Jesus said, be cleansed. And immediately, the leprosy was cleansed. Power in the word of God. Oh, folks, we need to start quoting God's word concerning our condition rather than quoting the doctor's latest report. You say, oh, you don't put any confidence in doctors? No, I do. Dr. Luke is a gospel writer and he traveled with the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul had physical needs. There's a place for doctors. They're, they're wonderful people and they do a great service. But listen to me. God's word is more authoritative than the doctor's final report. God's word is strong. I'll never forget several years ago, for the first time, my son and daughter-in-law visited the Billy Graham Library. Anybody ever been there? Billy Graham? Oh, man. Debbie and I had not, at that point, gone to visit. We've gone several times since then. But my son came home, and he was just radiant, having been through that journey. of. And he said, Dad, 
You know the thing that stood out to me more than anything else? It wasn't the ministry of Billy Graham. It's the authority of the gospel. It's the authority of the word of God. If you've ever heard Billy Graham preach, he's a great preacher, but probably not the greatest preacher you've ever heard. Billy Graham was very gifted, but he had one theme, salvation. And when he preached the word, people's lives were touched and people's lives were changed. Why? Because when he spoke the word and people believed and reacted in obedience to the word, their healing came. Not their physical healing so much as their spiritual healing. Okay? Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer, don't take them out of this world, but keep them in this world so that they will know that I'm come to save them. You're left here for a witness, but your witness is not enough. It has to be the witness of his word. God's word is strong. Wow. That's enough to make me want to believe. But Matthew writes on. And he begins to write about a leader's servant. In verse 5, Jesus had entered Capernaum. A centurion, a Roman soldier, came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said, no problem. And again, Jesus crosses a religious line. He said, I'll come to a Roman's house? To a Roman centurion's house? Yeah, I'll come and I'll heal your servant. But why, you're a Jewish Messiah, why are you going to do something for a Roman who's enforcing Roman rule over us? Because the man needed to be healed and this guy asked. I miss something. The minute we think we deserve, that's when we get into trouble. I don't deserve God's healing, but I can trust Him for it. I don't deserve it. I haven't done anything worthy of His amazement. This Roman centurion is immediately introduced to Christ. Compassion. Christ's compassion is seen. He said, I will come and heal him. Again, this is an act that the rabbis would have said was unclean. And then the centurion shows his comprehension of who Jesus is. He shows his comprehension of authority. Roman this is tough for me. The Roman understood a Jewish king better than people who said they had worshipped this God all of their lives. An outsider can see what's going on and he recognizes the authority. Hmm. Jesus can do whatever he wants. He says in verse 8, Lord, I'm not worthy. 
I'm a Roman centurion. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just speak a word, and my servant will be healed. What kind of faith is that? For I understand authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say this, do this, and he does it. I understand authority. All you have to do is speak what? Your word. Speak the word, and it'll be done. When Jesus heard it, the Bible says he marveled. There's only two places in the, in the Gospels where it says Jesus marveled. This is one of them. At the faith of a Roman centurion. And the other place is in Mark chapter 6, when Jesus marveled at the lack of faith in the people who knew him best. You know what they said? Jesus was in his hometown. They said, I don't think he can do it. That's the carpenter's son. We know him. Jesus said, a prophet has no honor when he becomes too familiar. Now I'm paraphrasing, but he has no honor in his own country. And the Bible explicitly says, because they didn't believe, he was hindered from doing many great miracles, although he healed some there. Wow. One Roman, an outsider, has faith and understands authority. Kingdom authority. Another group of people who you would think would know Jesus better than anybody in the world didn't believe. Let me ask you a question. How long have you walked with the Lord? How long have you been in church? How long have you been overexposed to the gospel? Oh, all my life. Let me ask you something. If all your life you've been exposed to Jesus, why can't you trust him? If any of us ought to have amazing faith, it's those of us who were raised in the circle of Christ's influence. But sometimes we struggle more to believe, simply believe. Some of you have been to foreign mission fields. I know Jimmy and Brenda. Those people, they just take, if you said Jesus said this, what do they do? Oh, okay, well, let's do it then. You know? You give an altar call in a mission field, and you invite them to come and receive what Jesus told them they could have, and they just get up and they come, and they, they want it. They're open to it. They believe to receive it. What do we do? Yeah, but you got to weigh scripture with scripture, and this other verse says, you know, really? We become theologians when we don't want to believe something, when we don't want to adhere to it. Jesus marvels at us at times and says, I've done so much for you. I've been with you so long. Why don't you just trust me? A third sickness is seen that Jesus confronts in chapter 8. Skip down to verse 14. 
a lesser sickness, an insignificant sickness, I suppose. It says, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother. (laughs) There's way too many mother-in-law jokes that come to mind right there. You know what I'm saying? He saw his wife's mother. He saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. So what did Jesus do? She's got a fever. I don't want the fever. I don't want the fever either. But Jesus touched her. Why? He has authority. He had authority to touch her. She arose and served them. Now, this is not an insignificant sickness or a lesser sickness because it's Peter's mother-in-law. Please, don't ever say that I said anything bad about my mother-in-law. I got great stories about my mother-in-law. She, as a matter of fact, she's the one asking me to marry Debbie. That's just how it went. I mean, <laughs> Babe, you're supposed to say amen right there. Help me out here a little bit. Peter's mother-in-law has this flu-like fever. She's probably going to be a little better with time. It seems like this might have been able to run its course, and she'd be okay. But Jesus had so much compassion, he said, oh, you got a fever? Yeah, let me take care of that for you. And he heals her. You know, sometimes we would rather take a pill than say a prayer. We will trust more in the Bear Corporation than we will the Bible. Again, this is where I leave myself open to be misunderstood. I understand that. I told you sarcasm is one of my spiritual gifts, and it is. You say, preacher's preaching against doctors. No, I saw one this week. Going back to see him again on Friday. Got some issues that I need some help with. But you know what I did first? I prayed about it. I'm trusting God. And you know what? He's going to touch me. Even if it's with a big, long needle full of cortisone. He's going to touch me. And I'm trusting him for that. I'm believing him. Peter's mother-in-law has a flu-like fever, but Christ is concerned with minor illnesses such as just the flu bug. Go ahead and ask him to touch you. My wife is notorious for migraines. Yes. And let me tell you something. Every time she gets one, we pray. (laughs) First thing she says, honey, I'm going to take these migraine tablets, you pray. (laughs) You know? She, th- she says, oh, praise the migraine tablets. Oh, praise Excedrin. I say, oh, praise Jesus. You're feeling better. No, no, that's not. That's my sarcasm coming out again. I'm sorry. We pray about it. Why? Because it's important to us. However, notice what happens. Immediately, she is healed. So whatever, whatever it is that's going on, headache, toothache, backache, whatever it is that's going on, don't be afraid to ask the Lord. Now, 
He may not immediately, instantly heal you like he did Peter's mother-in-law. But look what she does. Upon being healed, the first thing she does is she serves. She gets out of bed. She says, hey, wow, thank you. I'm feeling better. Let's, uh, let's have dinner. And she fixes everybody dinner. She serves them. When Christ works a miracle in our lives, he never does it just so we can say, wow, thanks, cool, miracle. Now I'm going to go do what I want to do. No, he always uses it for his glory and to expand his influence in this world. Peter's Peter's mother-in-law teaches us when God does something for us, the natural response is to serve. Now, here's a verse I'm, I'm telling you. I'm with you, okay? Verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with what? With a word. And he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities, and bore our sicknesses. He healed all that were sick. He met spiritual needs first. He cast out demons. Jesus is always more concerned about your spiritual life than he is your physical life. Write that down in bold letters somewhere. He's always more concerned about your spiritual life than he is your physical life. And if you're having problems relationally with God, that may be the place that he starts. Rather than instantly touching us, he may work on renewing us, changing us, drawing us closer to himself. Now, this is where I get myself into trouble, (laughs) as if I weren't already in trouble. I'm not here, again, to bring confusion or condemnation. I simply want to expose us to a truth of the gospel. I've asked numerous friends of mine in ministry. I've asked my family. I've asked the wise one, my wife. And that's not being sarcastic. That's the truth right there. Tell me, is there a place in the Gospels where somebody asked Jesus to heal them and he said, nope. That's your homework for this week. Find me a verse. Find me a story. Find me an incident where somebody came to Jesus and said, I got this problem, heal me. And he said, get away from me. I didn't find one. I've searched the Gospels this week in preparation for this because I wanted a loophole I wanted to be able to give us an out and I don't find one he healed all that were sick did Jesus heal everybody no did anybody die while Jesus was walking the earth absolutely now he did raise at least three of those to life again You know why? There's an arch enemy of God. It's called sin. And sin brought a curse. And the curse brought disease and death. And Jesus hates disease and death. 
So he takes every opportunity he can to punch it in the face. Okay? So, the age-old question. Please, feel my heart. From a shepherd's heart to sheep who struggle with issues every day along with the shepherd. Okay? I'm not saying make sure if you tweet or Twitter or whatever it is you do. Whatever it is you do, Barbara, wherever you post all this stuff. <laughs> make sure that you include this in what I've said today. I am not saying, and I wrote it down because I want to get it right, that people who are sick or suffer from disease are sinful or backslidden or have no faith. Make sure you add that to everything else that you think I've said today. I'm not saying that. Some of the most saintly, godly people I've ever met in my life suffered with disease and sickness. I can't explain it in keeping with the Gospels, but I don't have to. It's up to him. I'm just telling you, this is what the Gospels say. He healed all that were sick. Now, again, is it always God's will heal is it verse 17 says there's a bigger picture here he healed some people and some people were sick because he wanted to reveal himself in a greater way as a fulfiller of prophecy there are other reasons given throughout scripture we'll address some of those later on there are other reasons why people may suffer Peter talked about those who suffer according to the will of God. However, hear my heart this morning. I don't want any one of us to live below the level of our privileges of his authority in our lives. I want you to have everything that God wants you to have. Let's look at this last couple of people. A long season of sickness. Over in chapter 9, beginning with verse 20. Suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around when he saw her. He said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith, not your touch, your faith has made you well. Two stories. First one is a 12-year sickness. This woman's issue or illness, if it is what most scholars attribute it to, would have made her ceremonially unclean. Some would say that this issue of prolonged 
bleeding was a, was a time of prolonged menopause for this lady. Can you imagine, with all of that going on, the physical affliction, add on top of that the social isolation created by this. The things that she used to do, the friends she used to hang with, the places she used to go, she's unable to do any of those things because she can hardly leave her house. She can't go to church. Because if you'll read Leviticus 15.25, it talks about this. She can't go to church because she's got this issue going on. Wow. I don't know about you. When we were without church, I struggled. Because we were without restaurants, too. And those two things are my life. You know what I'm saying? Jesus and cheeseburgers. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's my life. And I, we went through, man, it was, it was an intense period, literally, of withdrawal. We had to learn how to cook at home. And my wife did an amazing job, you can tell. She doesn't fall short in that. She did an amazing job. But it was totally new for us. It was different for us. We don't eat out every night. We usually eat at home at least one night a week, you know. <laughs> Not every night, but... It was just that isolationism. This lady went through this for 12 years. Can you imagine COVID lasting for 12 years? We're going to go crazy. She struggled. 12 years. But then she does something that I want you to do. Press through the crowd. Get all the obstacles out of the way, whatever they may be, and get so close to the Lord that you can touch Him. Now, I, I would draw another conclusion from this, and I'm stretching the type. Okay, I, I understand that. But when the Bible says she touched the hem of His garment, good chance she was probably on her knees in worship and in desperation. Lord, I'm crawling into your presence because I'm at the end of myself and doctors don't know what they're doing with my situation. I need your And she forced the issue. She touched him by faith. Another telling of the story by one of the gospel writers says immediately Jesus felt healing virtue go out from him. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. what's going on? Somebody just touched me. Somebody touched me. How refreshing. Everybody was touching. Everybody wanted his attention. But somebody touched me with a touch that's different than what everybody else has been touching me with. Somebody touched me, not out of excitement, not out of enthusiasm, but out of faith. Somebody touched me. This lady's story, I can't explain it away. I can't fully explain what happened? 
I can only tell you what the Gospels tell us. Her faith created a desperation to touch him. And my prayer for us is that our faith will become desperate. Enough to reach out. Cut through the crowd, the noise of the mob. And touch him. Then there was a total blindness. There were two men. They followed Christ in verse 27. They were crying out for mercy. Son of David, have mercy on us. They followed him into the house. Jesus asked them a very serious question. How long have you been sick? Now, if you've got your Bibles open, you know that's not at all what Jesus asked them, because it doesn't matter. How much money do you have to give me a love offering, plant a seed into my ministry? It's not what Jesus asked them. Jesus looked at those two blind men. They couldn't look back at him, but they could hear his voice, and he said, do you believe that I can do this? i got to ask you this morning, do you really believe that Christ is who he says he is? Do we really comprehend? He questions them concerning their faith. These two blind men crying out for mercy. He questions them concerning their faith. And because they believed, they were healed. Not because they deserved, because they believed. If you feel unworthy to ask the Lord for another touch, let me just go ahead and put your mind at ease. You are unworthy. <laughs> okay? I'm not going to blow any smoke on you today. You are unworthy. But go ahead and ask. He delights in our asking. He loves to hear us make our requests known. Jesus went teaching, preaching, and healing, number four, because he was moved with compassion for them in chapter 9, verses 35 and 36. Healing every sickness, every disease among the people. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, it's 12 o'clock. If you need to leave, I understand. But if you can stay for just a couple minutes, let me give you these things. Just some facts from this passage. Jesus healed all manner of disease and sickness. So whatever you got, he's a specialist in that. Promise. Okay? All manner of disease and sickness. Secondly, he has a bigger plan for our times of sickness. And sometimes he reveals his plan and sometimes he doesn't. But hold on. If he does not heal us, it's because he has a grander plan. Thirdly, Jesus hates disease and death. He hates them. Now, there's a couple things that the Lord doesn't stop. One of those things is aging. Don't you wish he did? Just kind of slow, at least put the brakes on. Slow it down a little bit, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't, he doesn't slow it down. He doesn't, as a matter of fact, precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. 
is well-worn soldiers, okay? But he hates death and disease and what it does to the human family. Jesus has all authority. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. I have authority over sickness. Now, I'm, I'm moving from the Gospels to the rest of the New Testament at this point. Jesus has sufficient grace for our sickness. The Apostle Paul, let me just read what he said in, in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. In other words, unless I ever think that I'm spiritual because I'm doing something so grand. I've received so much from the Lord. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I agonized over this, he said. You know what the Lord said? Don't you wish he'd have said, be healed? <laughs> That's not what he said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Please follow along. Therefore, most gladly, Paul says, I will rather boast in my infirmities than in my healing. I'm going to boast that every day I suffer with this thorn in the flesh. But the power of Christ rests upon me. And it's so, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's so worth the exchange. Oh, just to live in the power of his presence. I'm willing to endure. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me give you these practical participation points. This is what I want you to do. Number one, accept his will. Understand that he has, he is our authority, and he is sovereign in our lives. We can accept his will which may include seasons of sickness in our lives. We can accept his will, or we can complain about it. Either way, you're going to be sick. So go ahead and celebrate. Boast in your infirmities. Hey, man, I don't feel good, but God is propping me up and giving me strength, and I'm walking in his spirit. Man, if you'd have been in my devotional time this morning and sensed the glory of his presence like I sensed it as we commune together over his word and cup of coffee, and we, me and Jesus just had a wonderful time this morning. See how that takes the focus off the infirmity and puts it back where it belongs? I boast in Jesus. I've accepted his plan for my life. Number two, ask for healing. Don't stop asking. Jesus taught us to ask, seek, and knock. That means just keep persisting. Lord, I'm reminding you, Paul said, I prayed three times about this. And when he said he prayed, he didn't just say, Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. Oh, by the way, take care of this thorn in the flesh. No, he's talking about extended times of begging and pleading in desperation with God. Please heal this thing for me. I feel like I could be so much more effective for your ministry. God says, you don't even know what makes you effective. This is what makes you effective. Your infirmity gives you a reason to boast in me. 
ask for healing. You say, I've prayed about this so many times. Well, pray again. Ask again. Come to His throne boldly to expect mercy. Some of us ask, but we've gotten so accustomed to not receiving that we soon begin to just expect not to receive. Don't do that. Ask in faith. Believe Him. Asking. Affirm healing. Keep believing. This is... Listen. Speak in faith, not in defeat. Speak future or present tense as though it were. You're still sick? Yes, I'm still sick, but I, God is healing me. God is winning. God's giving me sufficient grace for every day. The more we talk about our sickness, the more we talk about our problems, the more we talk about our circumstances, the less glory we're able to bring to God. Let's just change that around and affirm. The Lord is my healer. Are you healed? No, but he's my healer. He heals all my disease. Speak in faith, not in doubt. And pronounce or announce God's truth. Don't keep repeating the lie of Satan. Don't keep repeating. When you tell people what the doctor said at your last report, always follow that up with a conjunction, but God is my healer. And announce faith. Now, some of you go, well, this guy, we're going to have a leadership council meeting. We're not having this guy back. He's done rolled over. He's done joined the name it, claim it, you know, preacher that lives in denial of reality. No, I'm not. In preparation for this truth, however, I was reminded again that Christ is our healer. He delights in bringing healing. He has the authority to heal us. We have a right to ask and to believe and to claim the healing that he promises. You say, well, we've just kind of learned to live and accept our disease. Acceptance of sickness is not defeat, or the Apostle Paul was a loser. And he wasn't a loser. He didn't accept it as a defeat. He accepted it as a gift by which he could boast on the Lord Jesus Christ and his strength in his life. He understood that he was surrendered to God's higher purpose and calling, and part of that included this sickness, this thorn in the flesh. He said, it's a messenger of Satan. It buffets me. Every morning I get up and I feel that ache or I feel that pain, and I know the devil's fighting me through that, and I'm not going to let him win. I'm going to go on. I'm going to press on. We are kingdom citizens, sickness and disease are under the authority of our king. So back to the question that I told you we'd address earlier. Does God always heal everyone? No. But there's always a reason. Now, don't use that as a cop-out for remaining sick. God may want to heal you. Keep asking. Keep accepting his will. Keep affirming in faith that he is your healer. And announce he is my Tell people. They said, man, you look sick. I had a guy, <laughs> guy tell me, it was so complimentary this week, walked up and said, man, you look bad. 
I said, thanks, what's new? You know, I mean, I, I promise you, after coronavirus passes, people are going to request that I keep wearing the mask. It's like, you look bad, man, you know? It's okay. I didn't give in to that. I said, yeah, I'm a little tired, but you know what? God's given me strength. I'm rejoicing. I'm happy. I'm blessed. How are you? How are you doing? Is the Lord healing you today? Claim it. He is our healer. I want us to bow our heads. If you're without any ailment, any sickness, any disease, pray for somebody that you know is fighting or battling. If you have one, something with which you are struggling, and maybe it's been an ongoing thing, maybe the, the Tylenol that normally works didn't work this morning and you came with a headache. I want you to, from your heart, ask your father, God, would you touch me today? I believe. Help my unbelief, but I believe that you can do this. I believe you are the God that heals me of all my disease. Talk to him. In the, remind him of what he has already said in his word. Father, we come to your throne. We come humbly, but at the same point, Lord, we want to do what the Hebrew writer told us to do. We want to come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in our times of need. And Lord, we come boldly proclaiming that you are our healer. You are the God who heals us. And we rest in the assurance of that today. And I pray that for those who are here this morning who may be weighted down by anything that I may have said, change Change what I said so that they comprehend and understand. This is not a message of condemnation for those who are sick. It's a message of hope. God is our healer. And let them take fresh faith and renewed hope from this place today and to begin to look for your healing touch. Father, I pray in the name above every other name, the name of our healer, and Redeemer, Jesus. Amen.